It's time for Spiritual Awakening Radio. My name is James Bean of SpiritualAwakeningRadio.com. Today's program is part three in the ongoing series exploring the ascension of the soul. Today, the third heaven, referred to with names such as Parbrahm Soon, which means the void, and Mahasun, the great void. The Ascension of the Soul into Interior Regions of Light and Sound Part 3 The Third Region Also known as Daswan Dwar The Ascension of the Soul series refers to a kind of cosmic map of inner space. Based on centuries of exploration by various mystics and saints from India, there is a kind of inner consensus about the regions, the heavens, spheres, sometimes referred to as levels or cons. It's quite amazing when you think about that, actually, that there is a kind of consensus about inner space on the part of those explorers of inner space who for many centuries have been practicing meditation and delving into these regions. Now, it's also true that if you compare the charts of the heavens, the description of the cosmos, as described by the Sant tradition of India, with other schools of mystics, you'll see parallels there as well. For instance, I have a couple of Gnostic charts of heavenly regions, and those have the same basic structure with several heavens, the bottom most being the material realm, a bit darker, And it gets brighter and brighter as you go up. And at the top, there is a god realm referred to as the unknown silent one. In the Sant tradition, this is called Anami, or nameless, the nameless one. And also in the Sant tradition, that is described as soundless, or the god who is beyond sound, as well as light mystic light and sound are described as kind of veils that veil the unknown god or anami parush sat parush the nameless being the soundless god so it's quite interesting to notice these parallels of course the kabbalah tree of life is another one and in sufism there are charts of the heavens as well the same basic structure several different heavens The soul passes through all of these regions on the way back to God that is at the top or at the center, depending on the design of the chart that you're looking at. The most heavenly, pure, transcendent realm, the God realm, lies beyond these heavenly regions. The following is a reading from the esoteric teachings of Seth Shivdayal Singh, also known as... Swamiji Maharaj, as well as Sant Radhaswami Sahib. This is from the Hadiyama section, or esoteric teachings, section of his Sarbachan Radhaswami poetry, published in Agra, India. The refulgence of this region, Daswandwar, the third plane, is twelve times that of Trikuti, the three worlds. Pure pools of ambrosia, called Mansarovar, the lake of nectar, abound here. 
there are innumerable flowers and gardens. Spirits, like beauties, dance at various places. At every place fountains of nectar are overflowing, and the streams of nectar are gushing out. How may one describe the splendor and decoration of this region? There are platforms of diamonds, beds of emeralds, plants of jewels, all studded with rubies and precious stones. Bejeweled fish swimming in pools there display their beauty and ornamentation, and their glitter and sheen attract attention. Beyond this there are innumerable palaces of crystals and mirrors in which spirit entities reside at their respective spots, as allocated by the Supreme Lord. The denizens there are spiritual and free from physical taints. Full particulars of these regions are known only to saints or saints. It is not for those to describe in greater detail. The saints do not reveal much detail about this region. That's from the esoteric teachings of Shiv Dayal Singh. Certain saints report that there are ten passageways in Trikuti. The first nine are local, leading the spiritual seeker only to outlying parts of the second stage. The tenth door, though, opens up into the third region, a dimension beyond mind and matter, appropriately entitled Daswan Dwar, meaning the tenth door, so named because of the key passageway in Trikuti. The third region, the third heaven, is exceptionally auspicious, since the student leaves the mind plane altogether and realizes for the first time his or her true self as a pure drop of infinite light and love. From Daswan Dwar, the pull is inherently upwards. No longer does calls or the negative powers a power attract the free spirit. Like a butterfly liberated from its inhibiting cocoon, the soul flies forth unencumbered to its original and true abode. The lord of this region is known as the detached one, and the sound manifests as a sarangi, or sarangi-like sounding stringed instrument, with white light shimmering like diamonds. Daswan Dwar's refulgence is so bright that it dims twelve-fold the reddish light of Trikuti. Although the sound current is one constant audible life stream, it has four major gradations, Anhad, or unstruck, Sar, essential, Sat, meaning eternally true, and Nij, original. For instance, in the third region, the shabd or sound transforms from anhad into sar, which is the movement from the mind to the soul current. Progressively, sar shabd leads into sat shabd. Sar shabd leads into sat shabd, which finally ushers in the nidge current of the Supreme Lord, who is absolutely beyond all expression. 
One of the central attractions in the third region is Mansaravar, a vast pool of immortality, wherein the soul is cleansed of residual karmas or past impressions or samskaras. Elucidates Huzur Baba Sawan Singh when the Sikh gurus built the golden temple at what now is the city of Amritsar, they surrounded it with a pool of water. You may have seen the photos. To represent on earth the Mansaravar pool or lake of the third spiritual region. This pool they call Amritsar, which has the same meaning as Mansaravar the pool of the nectar of immortality. In the same way, the Indian rishis and munis, sages and holy men of the past, called the confluence of the Ganges, Jamuna and the now vanished Sarasvati, Tribeni, to symbolize on earth the meeting place of the three great streams of refulgent light in Daswandwar. But the real thing that gives liberation lies within, not without. Although self-realization is achieved in Daswandwar, the student has not merged back totally with the Supreme One. Consciousness is identified with the bubble or drop, but not yet with the ocean of love in its awesome entirety. Thus the soul must evolve even further to achieve full jivan mukti, the liberation of the soul, liberation while living. The face of the self has been discovered. Consciousness beyond body and mind is experienced to be the true reality. But the primordial body of the absolute remains unattained, according to Hazur Baba Sawan Singh. Perhaps the most frightening phase of the meditator's exploration is through the region known as Mahasun, the Great Void, which is located between Daswandwar and Banwar Gufa, the subject of next week's program. Though the soul is said to contain the light of twelve suns, its brilliance is blinded by the impenetrable darkness which precedes the fourth region. In fact, saints rarely discuss this stage, as it can only be crossed with the help of the inner master. Outlines Seth Shiv Dayal Singh, or Sant Radhaswami Sahib, of this plane. And this is from Sarbachan Radhaswami Poetry. Having sojourned there, Daswandwar, and having enjoyed the glory thereof for a very long time, the spirit of this fakir proceeded on in accordance with the instruction of the guides, the teachers. After traversing 1,000 million and 75 koryojans upwards, the spirit entity effected ingress into the bounds of Hahut and witnessed the panorama of that region. There the expanse of ten nil, or one thousand million, is enveloped in darkness. Depth of this dark region cannot be fathomed. The spirit went down, one karab yojans, 
Still the bottom was nowhere to be found. Then it, the spirit, turned up and proceeded on the path chalked out by the master. It was not considered advisable to go down right to the bottom of this region. This region is called Mahasun, the Great Void. There are prison cells for the condemned spirits ejected from the court of the true Supreme Being. Although these spirits are not subjected to any trouble, and they perform their functions by their own light, yet, as they do not get the darshan or vision of the Lord, they are restless. However, there is a way of their remission also, a way out for them. Whenever Sants happen to pass that way where the spirits reclaimed from the lower regions, some of these spirits fortunately get their darshan or vision. Such spirits go along with the Sants, who very gladly take them to the court of the Supreme Lord and get them pardoned. That's a passage from Sarbachan Radhaswami poetry, the hymns of Seth Shivdayal Singh, also known as Swamiji Maharaj or Sant Radhaswami Sahib of Agra. These souls that were in the great void can catch a ride with Sants as they ascend back to the supreme being in the supreme realm above. They hitch a ride and uh, get a chance to go back home. And this is an interesting glimpse into the whole process, isn't it? We see this uh, going on not just in Mahasun, but throughout all of these lower regions. Uh, there are sants or uh, sant sat gurus or masters that are working with souls, and these souls are transported or accompanied by the master back up, back home again, passing through these different regions. So the role of the sant sat guru is in, in, involved in this cosmic rescue operation going on. Souls, certain souls, not all souls, not every soul is at the same place. Uh, or is crying out for such divine grace and assistance. But those who are can catch a ride, can be guided by the Master to make progress through these universes of light and sound on the way back up again, this upward call back home to the God realm again. Saints are involved in rescue operations, helping souls that are embedded in various planes of creation and this is what's going on. This is their role, the role of the Sansat Guru in these realms when they pass through and inhabit or incarnate into the physical plane or ascend through these other regions of consciousness. To cross the abyss without a guide in Mahasun, the great void, is impossible according to the masters because the great ascent is not self-centered but God-centered involving the will, maj or divine grace of the Supreme Lord. In a sense what we are witnessing is the ultimate surrender. First the physical body has to be given up, sensory paralysis, out-of-body experience, etc. Then the lower and higher mind in the stages of Sahasdal Kanwal, or the thousand-petaled lotus, and Trikuti. And finally the soul itself in Sachkhand, which is nothing but a mere bubble 
in the ocean of infinity. The paragraphs above, including the quotes from the Sarbachan Radhaswami poetry of Seth Shiv Dayal Singh, were from the book Enchanted Land by David Christopher Lane, published by the MSAC Philosophy Group in a chapter all about the voyage of inner light and sound, the voyage of the soul. Swamiji Maharaj in Daswan Dwar and exploring the great void of Mahasun from another translation. Beyond this, there are innumerable palaces made of crystal and diverse spirits inhabit them and are settled there in accordance with the allotments made by the Supreme Lord. And they see the peculiar mutual display, which is so blissful, and in turn they also establish their own plays and sports. In Hindi, these spirits are described as circles of hamsas, or purified spirits, birds of heaven, hamsas, or heavenly birds, circles of them purified spirits. The engravings and the designs carved in these spheres are to be seen in order to be believed. The entire dispensation and workshop there is purely spiritual. It is not at all gross or material. Spirits dwelling there are characterized by excessive delicacy, subtlety, refinement, and purity. They don't have a trace of physical coarseness and impurity. The details of this sphere are known only to the fakirs. Full particulars of these regions are known only to sants. To unfold more about this realm is not proper and advisable. For a long time the spirit of this fakir, Swamiji Maharaj himself, sauntered and stayed there, and then under the instructions from the teachers and guides, moved ahead. Moving on and on, the spirit soared up, about, through an incalculable height, an incalculable distance, and broke into the realm of Hahut, or Mahasun. In this Sarbachan poetry, Hahut is used quite often instead of the word Soon. There's Soon, the void, and Mahasun, the great void, in this realm. The term for Soon, or void, often used in this translation is Hahut, which sounds very Sufi, and I believe it is a Sufi mystical term for the same place, as there are many interchangeable words between the Sants and Sufis of India. Different, uh, Each one has their own words for these realms, or the third eye center and the various planes of consciousness. How shall I describe it, says Swamiji, for ten billion miles, again incalculable distance, there is utter darkness. How shall I describe its depth except to say that for one karab or one hundred billion, i.e. incalculable extent, yojans, the soul descended and yet its bottom could not be discovered. This darkness has this vast depth, this great void is very huge indeed. Then again, it reversed and turned upward, and followed the tr- I followed the track pointed by the sages. That spirit treaded the path, and then 
it was deemed improper to determine and find out the depth of this dark region. The surat or soul then moved on. So here Swamiji is saying this is a very big, vast void, a great void of darkness. And eventually he, he, he gets past it. You know, he 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 received spiritual guidance from his inner masters and finally got through this great vast void that took place during his ascension, which he is describing here in his poetry, the Sarbachan Radhaswami poetry. Now, after the break, I want to talk about who those guides were because I know their names and I want to share them with you. After these messages, you're hearing Spiritual Awakening, the Ascension of the Soul series. Stay tuned for more coming up. Hope you're enjoying this Ascension of the Soul series, exploring the path of the Masters, the journey within, the interior voyage of the soul into realms of light and sound. Those who have reported near-death experiences, by definition, of course, had their near-death experience cut off when they were sent back into their physical body again to finish living the rest of their lives. But there are a few mystics practicing a very advanced form of meditation who have not had their journeys cut short, but have gradually but continuously explored the heavens by way of a meditation practice known as Surat Shabd Yoga, the way of inner light and sound. And as I mentioned earlier, there is a kind of consensus that has developed over the centuries by those mystics in India that have followed this kind of approach, a kind of out-of-body, heavenly type of meditation, they have a kind of consensus about what inner space is like, about inner red suns and moons and stars, crooked tunnels, whirling vortexes opening out to great brilliant light, also voids and big giant dark voids, mahasoons. All of these different stages or realms can be encountered within. And it's interesting that other schools of mystics further to the West, Kabbalah, the Tree of Life, and especially Gnosticism, describe a similar cosmology of inner space. So a kind of consensus has emerged, which is quite amazing when you think about it, a kind of consensus. Uh, even as we, typical human beings, have a consensus about what goes on in the night sky. Sometimes you see the moon, there are stars. 
If you're in the northern latitudes, occasionally there are northern lights, in addition to planets and stars in the sky, and we see certain patterns or signs of the zodiac project our imagination upon the sky and name different parts of the sky. A kind of consensus. It's amazing that mystics have a consensus about inner space. The following paragraph is from Sant Garabdas, a prominent disciple of Swamiji Maharaj, commenting on a couple of the paragraphs I was sharing earlier from Seth Shivdial Singh's Out of This World collection of mystic poetry known as Sarbachan Radhaswami, published in Agra, India, long ago. Here, Sant Garbdas is commenting and uh, on, on Swamiji's Mahasun experience and mentioning the names of his gurus. He says, Swamiji, in his discourses, has stated that his surat, or soul, descended into the dark regions of Mahasun, but could neither locate the bottom or the end of it, nor did it feel worthwhile to go any further. Thereafter, his surat, or soul, adhering to the signs as revealed to him by his gurus, ascended upwards. Here Swamiji says that it was the inner mercy of his Satguru Tulsi Sahib and that of Maharaj Gudharidasji, a successor of Tulsi Sahib, whose satsang he attended for a very long period of time, unquote. An interesting paragraph from Sant Garb Das, mentioning the gurus of Swamiji, also known as Seth Shivdayal Singh or Sant Radhaswami Sahib. I knew of the existence of this paragraph in this book, his book Anmol Bhajan. I was told by several people that this paragraph existed. And one day someone, as a result of a post at Facebook, responded with a rough translation of this paragraph in English for me and a cell phone photograph of the page where it comes from. I then took that photograph and shared it with some other people who came out with their own more scholarly and precise translations of the same paragraph. So this paragraph has been on a very long journey to get to me and now to you, hearing it. From Gujarati into Hindi and then from Hindi into English and then here, here we are sharing it here. Sant Garabdas, part of the inner circle of Swamiji back in the 19th century, commenting on Swamiji's Mahasun passage, on how he passed through Mahasun, the great void, with the assistance of his two spiritual masters, Tulsi Sahib of Hathras and Maharaj Gudhari Sahib, who was a master in Lucknow. Now, I was very interested in acquiring this paragraph in English because it mentions Swamiji's gurus and I included this paragraph and some commentary on it along with a lot of other things in a research paper about Gudhari Sahib, the unknown guru of Radha Swami history. And that was published in a 
publication known as Sach Khan, the Journal of Radhaswami Studies by David Christopher Lane, which is focused on the history of spiritual paths, especially from India. It's very much focused on the history, not the spirituality, but for me, history also offers its own kind of spirituality and is quite liberating indeed, because you get to know about Maharaj Gudhari Sahib and his spiritual center in Lucknow. Swamiji actually tithed to him, and as it said in the paragraph, attended his satsang for a very long period of time, actually up until the time of his death in 1860. And then in 1861, he began his Radhaswami satsang in Agra, and the rest is history, Indian history. If you'd like to receive a copy of my research into the, the life of Gudhari Sahib, the other guru of Swamiji, send me an email at this address, james at spiritualawakeningradio.com. That's james at spiritualawakeningradio.com or send me a text message at this number 508-603-9381. Stay tuned for more Spiritual Awakening Radio coming up. The spiritual poetry of Seth Shivdayal Singh, also known as Swamiji Maharaj or Sant Radhaswami, Sahib of the Radhaswami faith, is out of this world. His mystic Sarbachan Radhaswami poetry has an otherworldly feeling about it, a very genuine, out of this world collection of experiences and observations born out of the depths and the heights of meditation practice. The Sarvachan poetry has been made available in English. There are some translations of it. I actually have a review. I wrote a review of one of the translations, the Gupta translation at my website. And I also have links to the Sarbachan online. You can read the Sarbachan for free in English or in Hindi, if you like. Listen for my email address and text message number at the end of today's program if you'd like to receive links to the Sarbachan Radhaswami poetry, the otherworldly poetry of Swamiji Maharaj. Another fact about Swamiji. Swamiji's mystical meditation room within a room. This is one of his secrets. The following paragraph is found in the book Biography of Babuji Maharaj, published in Agra. And this paragraph digresses and talks about Swamiji. It's more like something that would belong in the biography of Swamiji Maharaj. 
From childhood, Swamiji Maharaj used to shut himself up in a small room, which is at the back of another room on the ground floor of his house. For light and air, there is a small aperture. Otherwise, no noise can reach within. This room still exists in a renovated form and is considered as one of the most sacred and hallowed of places. One text I've read in the past says that Swamiji meditated in that room for 15 to 17 years. But here we we read that he meditated in that room for much of his life, uh, beginning in childhood. He inherited that home in Agra. And so that room is where he did a lot of his meditation. And he sets for us a great example that we can also follow. We may not have a cave on demand or solitude on demand, but maybe we do. Maybe we can dedicate a room to meditation, a quiet room, quiet part of the house or basement. Or do what we can by thick curtains or a shade. This paragraph suggests sensory deprivation, dim lighting and quietude as being central to meditation. Cave on demand. And yet with the comfort of being in your house, so that's pretty nice. Comfort and yet sensory deprivation on demand. Dim, quiet, a great place for meditation. Providing some good ideas for us to follow as well if we want to meditate like Swamiji did. Another practice that makes spiritual life compatible with the heavenly realms and the experience thereof is Simran practice. For the mystic soul, it's not just uh, enough to meditate for a short period of time with no other technique going on in one's life. Otherwise, it becomes a kind of samskara, break-even proposition, where the negativity of the day is somewhat absorbed by the positivity of one's meditation. But how to gain more ground? The practice known as Simran. Simran is the spiritual exercise of remembering God choosing to become centered in God by repeating a name or names of God, the mantra of God's name or the prayer of the name. It is a key practice of the masters and mystics on the path of the masters. Simran, also known as Mana's Jap, the mental repetition of sacred names, is how one begins daily meditation practice by repeating a name or names of God can be done at other opportunities as well. The, re- the repetition of a name of God or names of God is also done during opportune moments throughout the day and night according to the teachings of the Masters. Simran or Manas Jap, the mental chanting of sacred names in your mind with the tongue of thought is not intended to be a dry mantra practice. Done correctly, 
and most effectively Simran is performed with a spirit of love or bhakti as if one is calling out to one's beloved as Sant Tulsi Das once said if a person repeats the name with love distress is dissolved and one lives in happiness as Sri Swami Bhagrath Baba once said the practitioner who does Simran sitting in a secluded place with the right method and immense love or bhakti becomes an excellent devotee. Kabir once said, only the day spent in repetition of the Lord's name is reckoned fruitful in the court of the Lord. He who is absorbed in the name, the Lord is always with him as his companion. So this spiritual practice of repeating the name whenever there's an opportunity is something that can be done morning, noon, and night for any amount of time. Uh, a short Simran break every, every now and then, even a few moments, to help stay positive in a world where negativity is always a distraction. And those who are given to Simran practice, when they sit down to meditate, it's easier. You get to the light faster. You get to the sound more quickly. After the break, more spiritual awakening. Stay tuned. Ascension of the soul is something that living human beings do in each generation of time. There's always a certain percentage of mystically inclined people. It's as if some people are wired for mystical experiences of inner seeing, of inner hearing, perhaps from childhood, perhaps based on a past life continuation picking up where where we left off in a in a past life who knows some do seem predisposed to inner experiences inner seeing inner hearing well in past generations there were masters and there were students there were students to learn from them sitting at their feet but it's our turn now, here and now, in this generation. It's up to us to make spiritual progress during this time through. Seven stages of mystic ascension, according to the path of the Masters. One, praise or bhakti, the singing of hymns, banis, bhajans, kirtans, odes, psalms, words of praise. 2. Prayer, communion with God, conversations with God. 3. Manas Jap, or Simran, 
I was mentioning that earlier, Simran, praying without ceasing, the mental repetition, the mental repeating or chanting of names of God, which also is the first stage of meditation. Manas dhyana, visualizing the form of the living master, one's ideal, another stage of meditation. Three, drishti sadhana, seeing inner light at the third eye center, the third stage of meditation. Here, not referring to visualizing anything, but actually seeing inner light by way of the third eye. Six, nada sadhana, hearing the inner sounds, also known as surat shabd yoga, inner sound meditation, the fourth stage of meditation. And seven, reaching Kavalya, oneness with the soundlessness, the nameless one, Anami, Parush, the formless supreme being or supreme state of consciousness, given many names, including the Ocean of Love or Anurag Sagar. And this is the fifth stage, of course, of meditation. The goal, the whole point, the Isht, as they say in India, the divine ideal or goal, union with God. Levels of satsang, or spiritual association with eternal truth in one's life. The first stage of satsang, the word satsang means association with the eternal truth. The first level of satsang is association with God in meditation, as described earlier. Oneness with the Supreme Being. But in order to get to that point, there is the need for the second level of satsang, association with the saints, with living ones, with a living teacher and his or her students. Meditation is done in solitude, but spiritual community is very much part of it as well in order to be informed about how to meditate, in order to be motivated to do the meditation. But in order to even get that far, to know who to trust and who to hang out with and who to meditate with, who to learn from, there is the third level of satsang, association with the writings of the saints and sages, scriptures and words of living and past masters a fondness for their wisdom. Key practices of the path of the masters. Satsang, as I just mentioned, association with the saints, which includes the study of their writings and scriptures. Two, selfless service of the spiritual master, or siva. Three, love for God, or bhakti. Four, moral rectitude. More on that in a moment. And five, purity of heart. Six, japa, the repetition of a divine name, or simran. And seven, meditation. In the practice of meditation, both gross and subtle meditations are described. In subtle meditation is meditation of the inner light and the inner sound. The ethical foundation, who qualifies for initiation? Not a high karma, high negativity sort of approach of life, but a low karma, low drama approach to living life on planet Earth makes it much easier to find peace and tranquility. Outer peace leads to inner peace, and those who have inner peace 
choose to have some outer peace. One affects the other. The ethical foundation of the Masters, Ahimsa values, the five precepts. You'll find different versions of these precepts in most all Eastern religions, Buddhism, Jainism, Hinduism, Sikhism. Moral requirements to qualify for initiation. One, abstinence from alcohol and drugs or intoxicants. Two, ahimsa, nonviolence in thought, word, and deed, including in the area of diet, as in following a nonviolent lacto-vegetarian diet. Some of us have even gone vegan. Three, leading a truthful life. Four, practicing non-stealing, in other words, an honest ethical source of income. And five, loyalty to one's spouse or life partner or marriage partner. Another version of the five precepts, refrain from taking the life of sentient beings. This precept also requires strict adherence to a vegetarian diet. Two, refrain from speaking what is not true. Three, refrain from taking what's not yours. Four, refrain from sexual misconduct. And five, refrain from using intoxicants. Thanks for joining me today on Spiritual Awakening Radio. Another installment in the Ascension of the Soul series. My email address is james at spiritualawakeningradio.com or send me a text message at this number, 508-603-9381. Earlier I mentioned anyone who wanted to get a copy of the Sarbachan Radhaswami poetry, send me an email or text message, and I'll send you links to those if you like. 508-603-9381 for a text message, or email me at james at spiritualawakeningradio.com. Thank you.